Welcome to Making Footprints, Not Blueprints, a regular podcast about matters philosophical and religious. My name is Andrew James Brown, and despite being myself an atheistically inclined freethinker, I'm also the minister to the Unitarian Church in the city of Cambridge, UK. The title of this podcast is borrowed from the philosopher Herbert Fingeret, who, in his book, The Self in Transformation, offered us studies that were outcomes rather than realised objectives, which were offered to the reader as an encouragement to make intellectual footprints, not blueprints. This podcast tries to proceed in a similar fashion and takes seriously an insight of the poet A.R. Ammons, who felt that true human freedom only comes when we have understood that full scope always eludes our grasp, that there is no finality of vision, that we have perceived nothing completely, and that, therefore, and thankfully, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. Welcome to this week's New Walk. Episode 2, Socrates and Jesus versus the Strongmen Leaders. At the beginning of Book 6 of the Durerum Natura, On the Nature of Things, Lucretius reminds us that when under stress, people tend to revert to their earlier superstitions. Given that we are clearly in a time when all of us around the world are under great stress from the pandemic, this is why in my piece for you last week, called Cool It!, I reminded you of the great value of keeping the use of reason and evidence at the very heart of any free-thinking community such as our own, one which was born out of the intertwining critical traditions of Enlightenment-inspired philosophy and liberal religion. A close reading of our history gives us good reasons to be confident that it is only through the continued, careful and consistent use of reason and empirical evidence-gathering that we can ensure superstition does not enter back into play amongst ourselves, even though, alas, it is clearly seeing a resurgence in the increasingly stressed wider world. But even as we continue to employ reason and empirical evidence as a bulwark against the return of superstition, we need to be acutely aware that times of stress also increase the desire in many people for strong religious and political leaders, those who are prepared openly to claim that they have the answer and are, therefore, able to offer their followers some kind of stress-free, coherent and contradiction-free lifestyle or blueprint. The current crop of nationalistic and xenophobic movements in the world, many of which are explicitly tying their nationalism to traditional forms of religion, all claim to be able to give people just such a stress-free, coherent and contradiction-free lifestyle or blueprint. Perhaps inevitably this situation raises the question of what kind of leadership our own free-thinking, liberal religious and enlightenment-inspired philosophy is, or might be able to, offer a stressed world. Since the 18th century, One of the answers to this question we have occasionally given is to point to the kind of ethical and philosophical leadership that was displayed by the holy human historical Jesus 
and by the ancient Greek philosopher Socrates. To echo some words written by Soren Kierkegaard whilst on his deathbed, the only analogy I have for what I'm doing is Socrates. My task is the Socratic task of revising the definition of what it means to be a person who continues to take the example of the human Jesus with the utmost seriousness. Today I'm not going to explore the model of leadership the holy human Jesus might offer us, except to reiterate a point I often make, namely that contrary to the claims of Christianity, there is good reason to think that Jesus taught, henceforth and forever, that God, or whatever ultimate concern we mean by the word God, that God was present only in and as one's neighbour including those neighbours whom we perceive, rightly or wrongly, to be our enemies. In so doing, Jesus opened the door for us to begin the long process of dissolving all of religion's former supernatural, superstitious and apocalyptic ideas into a simple, if always extremely challenging, ethical demand for justice and love for all creation, right here, right now. I have no doubts that I'll return at some point to this humanistic, existential and even atheistic understanding of Jesus in other episodes. But let me now turn to the kind of leadership that was displayed by Socrates. Socrates taught that the best way for us to proceed was by the careful use of a basic method of inquiry, which is today named after him, the Socratic method. In Plato's early dialogues, it is the technique Socrates uses to investigate, for example, the nature or definition of ethical concepts, such as justice or virtue. It moves through the following four basic steps. 1. Socrates' conversation partner asserts a thesis. For example, courage is endurance of the soul, which Socrates considers false and wishes to challenge. 2. Socrates then gets his conversation partner to agree to further premises. For example, courage is a fine thing, and ignorant endurance is not a fine thing. 3. Socrates then argues, and gets his conversation partner to agree, that these further premises contradict the original theses. In this case, it leads to, for example, courage is not endurance of the soul. 4. Socrates then claims that he has shown his conversation's partner's thesis to be false and that its negation is true. Each working through of the method leads to some new and hopefully more refined examination of the concept under consideration. Now, it is absolutely vital to see that anything approaching a full Socratic inquiry requires a repeated use of this technique, which ends not in possession of the final truth of the matter, but instead in what is called aporia, that is to say, doubt or puzzlement. To pursue philosophy in this fashion is, therefore, to drink deeply a strange mix of disappointment and wonder. Disappointment that one's initial ideas have turned out to be mistaken, but wonder at the process by which, and the person through whom, one has discovered this 
and being able to learn something new, or at least something more nuanced about our world. In short, whilst continuing to love and seek wisdom, the person following Socrates' method recognises that they neither possess this wisdom, nor, in all probability, ever will. It keeps the future radically open and free for them, and, importantly, ensures that tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. The art critic, media theorist and philosopher Boris Groys makes it clear that through these dialogues Socrates has no intention of producing coherent and paradox or contradiction-free speech. Instead, Socrates is content with discovering and revealing the paradoxes and contradictions in the speeches of his opponents. And rightly so, says Groys, for simply, quote, by exposing the paradoxes hidden beneath the surface of sophistical speech, evidence of such intense effulgence shines forth that listeners and readers of the Platonic Dialogues become fascinated and for lengthy periods are unable to tear themselves away from Socrates. It is entirely sufficient to point out the hidden paradox, to uncover it, to disclose it, for the required evidence to arise. The further step of formulating a contradiction-free discourse is unnecessary. Unquote. So, to return again to a point I made at the beginning of this piece, what worries me is not aporia, i.e. doubt or puzzlement, but instead that in times of stress there are always so many people out in the world who, for one reason or another, are willing to claim that they can put an end to doubt and puzzlement and can produce for you coherent and contradiction-free speech and or, or a blueprint. These are the sophistical people who have some kind of end product to sell us, whether it be a political programme, a Mercedes or a metaphysic. Once you've bought into the lifestyle product or blueprint promoted by the sophists, their further aim is always then to close down for as long as possible any further critical questioning or thought so that you will remain loyal to this or that political, commercial or religious brand. In some real way, then, sophistry and the idea that there can exist contradiction-free ideologies, discourses or blueprints is always and only about gaining power over other people's feelings and behaviours. Right at this moment, in the midst of a global pandemic and amidst the kinds of stress-making political and cultural confusions caused by things like climate change, COVID-19, Trump and Brexit, it's as plain as a pike staff to me that there are both a lot more people than usual desperate to buy into any institution or person who can claim to be able to offer them such a contradiction-free ideology, discourse or blueprint, and also a lot more people or institutions than usual willing to make that claim. It seems to me that we who remain committed to the continued existence of an Enlightenment-inspired free thought and or forms of liberal religion must be very careful not to fall prey to the temptation of ever thinking that, perhaps, we should somehow be entering into this dangerous marketplace of ideas 
by producing and promoting our own distinctive liberal brand of a putatively stress and contradiction-free ideology, discourse or blueprint. Instead, in these stressful times, I personally think we best and most effectively show appropriate leadership in two straightforwardly humanistic ways. The first humanistic way is by continuing bravely to encourage people to continue to follow in the footsteps of Socrates. We do this by conversationally challenging any and every form of speech, which, when it pretends to offer a completely coherent and contradiction-free blueprint for living, reveals it's really only seeking to stop people from seeing that the world is, in fact, always highly puzzling, complex, plural and always moving. And that to negotiate it as well as possible, it is also always necessary for people freely to be exercising their faculty of reason in seeking out new clues, intimations and empirical evidence about how the world is and our own current place in it. The second humanistic way is by continuing bravely to encourage people to continue to follow in the footsteps of the holy human Jesus by dissolving all of religion's former supernatural, superstitious and apocalyptic ideas into a simple, if always challenging, existential, ethical demand for justice and love for all creation right here, right now. Importantly, very importantly, when we as individuals and together are able confidently to embody these two intertwining examples of leadership, Socrates and Jesus, we do not thereby help to deliver up to our already overheated and increasingly superstitious and authoritarian-minded world just one more putative, single, completely coherent and contradiction-free blueprint or lifestyle. Instead, we are simply offering a genuinely free, cooling, companionable, reasonable, just and loving method by which diverse kinds of people may freely and creatively imitate in their own lives and conversations the same kind of free and creative footsteps once made by Jesus and Socrates. And that brings us to the end of this edition of the Making Footprints Not Blueprints podcast. If you'd like to join in the ongoing conversation about this and other subjects, then please visit www.cambridgeunitarian.org for more details. That's www.cambridgeunitarian.org. You'll be made most welcome. So, farewell for now, and remember, tomorrow a new walk is a new walk. See you on the path. Thank you.